Welcome to the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. We hope you enjoy your ride, and we ask all guests to be aware of your surroundings, because there is danger in Sleepy Hills. Additionally, we will be releasing new episodes weekly, so stay tuned, and please like and subscribe. Now, back to our latest installment. Margaret was making the last few adjustments to the project's numbers. Although the night before was amazing and some needed R&R was in desperate need, she'd even called Lewis to ensure that the proposals would be approved. She remembered him saying, we got this thing in a bag. That didn't ease her concerns. One thing that did concern her was when they left the bar that night. Everything seemed okay up until they left. <laughs> Margaret felt sick to her stomach. The way she sped away from the parking lot, even with confronting Bruce about the people in the parking lot, he mentioned that he was too bit too focused on driving back home safely. I really didn't focus on the appearances of anyone in particular. She knew that she would have stopped and checked on Max, but she was afraid. And to be honest, she's been afraid for a long time. She was afraid of the contract with the city and that it would fall through and that would seal her fate. Despite speaking so positively about Sleepy Hill power systems, this place was starting to really drain her. Supervisors taking all the credit while barely mentioning team members who really made things happen. What Wendy told me the night before just didn't make sense, thought Margaret. She offered Wendy a position she would have killed for. It must have been the look Wendy gave that made her unsettled as if it was a crime to offer such an opportunity. The image of Wendy backing away and that look on her face really upset her. I guess I can add that to my list of failures. But before she put herself down anymore, she looked at the picture on her desk. Bruce, Dylan, and Abigail smiling faces and the reflection of her frowning image just want this contract to go through, she said, under her breath. Come in. Without raising her eyes, she knew it was Wendy. Hey, Margaret, I just want to tell you, me and Max had a wonderful time at the bar fly. However, this might be nothing but, uh... Margaret dreaded the idea of reliving the bathroom scene. It was on the verge of interrupting Wendy when she said, I tried calling Max last night and this morning, but he never picked up. I realized that maybe I'm a bit too clingy sometimes, but, uh... Well, that is just me, I 
guess. When do you lift your hands up with an expression that conveyed too bad, but this is how it is? Margaret sighed in relief, and when you returned with a puzzled look. Did I say something wrong? No, no, it, it has nothing to do with you. Uh, I'm just a little, uh, I guess I'm just a bit stressed out today. Oh, I almost forgot. Today is the day you're going to present. I'm so sorry, Margaret. Here I am talking about Max with you while you're preparing for your big presentation. Wendy lowered her eyes to the ground and blushed slightly. Wendy, you're always welcomed in my office. But at this very moment, I just need to do a few touches before this thing is perfect. You got this, Wendy, said with an affirmative nod accompanying a smile. I'll get out of your way. And I also need to tell you, the mayor's limo just pulled into the parking lot. That made Margaret's hair in the back of her head stand up. Despite all the preparation, the person who could approve or cancel was the mayor. Even though he's a public figure, he is notoriously difficult to have a meeting with. Lewis had spoken directly to the mayor, but he never said that he was totally for the expansion of the power plant. This was her big chance to convince the mayor. Well, I'm leaving, said Wendy, as she turned around, as she turned the knob. Break your leg, she said, with a bit of a smirk. As Murdoch's black dress shoes touched the ground, another hand gripped the side of the vehicle with a very nice golden wristwatch firmly strapped on. Welcome to Sleepy Hill Power Systems, said the smiling man as the mayor stood up in front of the CEO and he towered over the gentleman. A bit of concern crossed the CEO's face, but a mere smile from Murdoch changed that. A small army of employees, reporters, and even some of his detractors were there. Mayor, a reporter blurted out, what do you have to say about all the disappearances going on lately? The smile never left the mayor's face. He could sense Charles, his right-hand man, ever so close to him. He would recognize Charles' footsteps, even if he was in a stadium full of a thousand people. As another reporter attempted to ask another question for the first reporter's repeated his question while silencing the others. Well, Mayor, can't have your tongue? The smug look on the reporter's face showed that he was not going to be deterred. A few people chuckled in the crowd. Eyes were glued on him, and the look of hunger flooded their eyes. Well, if you insist. I do plan to go over my plan for the city, Furthermore, I've spoken with the sheriff, and he has told me that he is setting up a task force to investigate the disappearances. Plus, I've spoken to two neighborhood watch groups to report any suspicious behavior. But to be honest, be frank with you, if someone wants to move from Sleepy Hills, and although I would hate to see them go, they have every right to choose 
wherever they live. Before another question could be asked, the CEO of Sleepy Hill Power System rose his hand and said, that is enough. He came to, he came to see what we were doing here and I intend to show you. As the reporters began to ask more questions in protest, Charles moved between Murdoch and the crowd as the CEO led him to the front door. The sound of people hurling complaints and insults became a jumbled mess. As a double door opened, what welcomed him was smiling faces and a look of concern. Murdoch had noticed that same expression on the face of Deers staring at two headlights and still being frozen. Too scared to fight, but too afraid to run. Just where I like him, thought the mayor. The myriad of sounds died as the doors closed. What greeted him was the sound of piping, air conditioning kicking on, and water bubbles, sounds that came from the water fountain tank. I'm so sorry, Mayor Murdoch. My security should have done a better job keeping those pesky reporters away. It's okay. I should have done more speaking engagements with my constituents. I should be here more often. Thank you for coming, by the way, said the CEO. I wouldn't want to miss this for the world, said Murdoch. I think we should begin our tour, do not you think, Mayor? Lead the way. I'm sure you will do a bang up job. With that said, the smaller group began to move forward as Murdoch moved in the center of the group. Lucy and George II watched the bus drive away. We better start our way to this Sleepy Hill power system, said Lucy, as she spoke to George. Lucy could tell that he listened and understood. The sound of Lucy's feet striking the hot sidewalk was the only sound to escape their one-person-and-one-cat search and rescue team. She practiced how she would speak and respond when she got there. This helped Lucy relax, but she knew no matter how many times she would prepare, it was never enough. This entire adventure was insane from the start, but she was tired of staying home all the time. Although her primary goal was to find Billy O'Brien, the close second was to just get out of the house. She loved her husband with all of her heart. Sometimes in life you just need to have a little alone time. Deep down though, Lucy, Lucy was losing hope that she would never find him. The dream that night before had really shaken her confidence. The look of those monstrous people and the hunger in their eyes, 
unnerved her. The cemetery was a place she rarely visited. I could dream about that place so vividly. Was she in danger? The thought quickly passed her. You're making a mountain out of a molehill, she said to herself. Walking with George II on the scorching hot sun, she raised the bottle of water to her lips. Standing there, she could tell that she had left the old neighborhood homes and was slowly scaling up a hill. Even George looked miserable. Do not worry, George. We should be able to see Sleepy Hill power system from the top of that hill. Plus, we have a nice shade tree and stone bench. The cat merely raised its head to look at her and wailed. Oh, I know this isn't fun, but we need more information if we're ever to find my friend, Billy O'Brien. Strangely enough, whenever she mentioned her friend's name to the cat, it had a calming effect. The cat seemed to be less anxious. With a firm squeeze and twist of the water bottle cap, she resumed her upwards trajectory. Sweat rolled down from her gray scalp and entered her eyes. This must have been her third time taking off her sunglasses and wiping her eyes. As one foot passed another, she wondered who that child was standing in front of that tree in her dream. The way that lightning struck the tree and split it nearly in half, and the fire ensued. Her hands stretching between the bars and screaming left her a bit shaken. Seeing the image of the tree burning reminded her also how her feet felt walking on lava. I mean sidewalk. The tree was maybe 30 feet from her now, and all that she wanted to do was sit down immediately. Come on, George the Second. We're almost there. The cat had fallen behind her. It was sticking out its tongue. With a bit more effort, she pushed herself harder. And the burning sensation had reached past unbearable for her poor feet and now aching knees. She quietly said to herself, Remember, you're doing this for your friend. The times she had found Billy O'Brien stone-cold drunk behind the church. And although she was warned not to get close to him, she did anyways. Billy was a kind man, and he was broken. Was it the war, or his ex-wife, or even his own children who wouldn't even reach out to him? Lucy would quietly listen to Billy talk about his past life, and about his triumphs and failures. He was someone that Lucy wanted to see overcome his personal demons and reach sobriety that maybe she could witness a new Billy. A sigh escaped her lips at that thought. The terrible pain coming from her feet seemed to just go away. The rusty wheelchair and his smiling face brought a small tear in her eye, which was quickly mixing a sweat. Without stopping a beat, she pulled her sunglasses off and wiped her eyes again, and she became a bit unpatient 
and continued to walk despite the circumstances. Placing the sunglasses back on, she had finally reached the shade tree and stone bench. But that's not what stopped her in her tracks. It was the four-story building and the size of a shopping center and the realization that finding Margaret McDougal might pose a bigger challenge dawned on her. Turning around, she shouted, Come on, little fella. We can take our rest here. I had brought a small bowl for you, too. As the cat looked up to Lucy, she wailed again. And that concludes our episode for today on the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. Please stay tuned next week for our next episode and follow the journey of what occurs in the town of Sleepy Hills. Do you sleep well?